Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome in to another edition of 11 Personnel, the SEC win totals edition, where it's one of our favorite shows of the year because it gives us the opportunity to make fun of every team in the Southeastern Conference and talk just ball. It's just flat out looking at the schedule, looking at the board, and figuring out what's going to happen this season. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett, and I, I got to be honest with you, like I was chomping at the bit to get to this until some some kind of last minute things popped up on, on Monday. Or, or hell, today's Tuesday. Classic. Well, last week was a a busy week. After we recorded, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot from of from the walkout on Thursday, and then a scrimmage, and Jagger Burton committing. It's a lot. All within seventy two hours. So we'll get yeah, to I think 72. Can't we'll, count. Get, we'll get to the fun of the win totals at the end of the show. But first, where where would you like to start, Luckett? Where, where there's there's I feel like we we could just like it's almost like you're at a derby party and you're you're picking yeah, let's just, horses. Let's where, just, which which one do you want to go with first? Let's do uh, let's do chronological chronological chronological, and then. Um, I want to hear you. You give me some derby picks and I have derby questions for you. And we'll do that at the end. Oh hell yeah! All right, good because it is derby week. It's my it's my Super Bowl. So you're mixing football and derby, man. My head. I'm I'm over here doing a Linda Blair, just trying to to figure <laughs> everything out. It's freaking nuts at the Roush House. But uh, let's start. Let's start with Thursday. So Thursday, Thursday. Uh, we're supposed to meet with the defense after practice and. Before it begins, uh, the boss man, Matt Jones, tweets out that don't think the Kentucky football players are going to practice today. And uh, essentially, as players were showing up to the facility, uh, guys saw their teammates visibly upset. Boogie Watson and Josh Pascal were the two in particular that, uh, as Luke Fortner said, they were just – something was wrong. Um, they were real distraught over what they had seen on television and the news. So they end up meeting together, talking, and they kind of get the whole team together in the meeting room, and they just start sharing their experiences, talking about all the hell they went through and back. Really, like it, it kind of struck me as like a vent, venting type session that just really snowballed. And Mark Stoops kind of walks in on it as it's happening and sits down and says, you know what, guys, whatever you want to do, I support it. So after they – kind of set out, like, here's what we want to do with this. Here's what we want to do, and here's what we want to accomplish with it. And went downstairs, they put on their practice equipment, and they walked out the other doors, the front doors of the facility, took a, a picture uh, by the statues of the four trailblazers that broke the color barrier 50 years ago uh, as, as, as a defiant, symbolic gesture, kind of um, a middle finger to all the haters and losers, if you will, saying, we're, we're sick and tired of this stuff. Uh, we we're, we're hurting and we're going to fight this thing together. And 
Look, it, I uh, just just hearing Josh Pascal and Luke Fortner, who, who spoke to the media uh, right around when we were supposed to be speaking with Brad White, it was one of those things that, uh, man, a couple of the things they shared, it, it just really cut you deep. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a white guy. I don't, I don't understand, and I never will understand, what some of those guys have been through. And to hear it, it really just kind of ripped out your heart. But at the same time, it was encouraging to hear how everybody kind of came together as one in such a large group of people. Well, I even think when Stoops went on KSR the next day and gave his statement, I think that even hit a little more close, closer. You got to kind of see more of who Mark Stoops' demand is, um, what he believes in. And basically I'm talking about Alex Montgomery situation. Yes, where, yes. Where, uh, if you haven't listened, listen to, but long story short, he, uh, Player gets injured, can't play. Stoops kind of sees that he might be going the wrong way. So he makes a concerted effort to be kind of a father figure to to this kid. And that, that, that's, you know, father, that was Stoops' words, not mine, yeah. um, when, he, when he states that. So, and then just for him seeing the stuff that, you know, that he's seen that this kid is going through, like getting to live it firsthand. And it, I think it makes sense why um, Kentucky was – one of the first just college football programs um, to be out in front of the issues on both things where they did the marches, the back, back life matter March um, back over the summer um, where all the team was wearing um, BLM shirts. And then this one where Kentucky was one of the first college football programs to say they were going to do something that, that theirs was boycotting a practice. And you've seen some other programs follow uh, yesterday Nick Saban and his um, Alabama team marched through um, to downtown, I guess, to the courthouse in Tuscaloosa. Um, and so I just think you saw, you heard Josh Pascal say it. Mark Stoops is a player's coach, and he just – he rides rides and dies with his guys. Mm-hmm. So and, – And the thing that, I, that really struck me, too um, – you know, a lot of people talk about the backlash they're getting. Uh, for one, it's just commendable that Josh Pascal is you – know, that dude's a fighter. Uh, if it wasn't evident when he kicked cancer's ass, he, you know, he takes his criticism to the chin, and he's willing to be the representative for his teammates because, you know, he can take any of the, the, the yokels on the internet going, hey, Antifa, you liberal bastard, blah, blah, blah. But the, the thing that really strikes me in all of this is that, like, you know – they made a point like this isn't a political issue. This is, this is an everybody issue and we should all be in this together. And really there's no better example for that for Mark Stoops. I mean, Mark Stoops and Joe Kraft are pals. Um, I mean, the the program is where it is because of their bond together. And I I think if you were to like, like Stoops is pretty Republican. I think that's very safe to say. And yet he is out on the front lines wearing black lives matter shirt because it's not political to him. He's just standing up for people who, who, who need it because he has the platform to do so. And that's exactly what they did this last week. They used their platform to, to make a statement, to maybe change – they're not going to change everybody's perspective, but maybe a few people, and, and that's what, what really matters to them. Yeah, I mean, athletes just – they have a voice, especially in college sports. Well, all sports involved, but college sports too – um, they have a voice more now than ever. And then with the name image likeness um, coming down the chimney, that's even going to um, increase 
Um, so you're going to see um, them more be more vocal um, through with situations like this. And this is a big movement going. And a lot of times they take their cues from the professional leagues. And you saw the NBA do what they did. And it's a surprise that Kentucky, along with other schools, um, wanted to um, use their platform and make a stand. And but I, I I think it was it was also one of those things too where that, it was a nice like. I mean, Fortnite was like, come on, are we really going to remember this Thursday practice? Like, if any yeah. afford to take a day off, they can, and and they certainly uh-huh. uh, shook things up by doing just that. I will say though, like it when they got to Saturday, I don't think it, it struck me when, when to, to get things on a lighter note. I don't think Eddie Green was too terribly happy with how the offense performed on Saturday, and it's really the first time we've heard them. Uh, him be at least kind of vocal, like, all right, offense wasn't humming on all cylinders. Uh, he said today, we move the ball well in, in between the 20s, and then we kick too many field goals. And that's kind of what you, I think, would expect at, the, at this point in, in the in the early parts of preseason practice. I was kind of surprised to hear that because before that, it's just been sunshine and rainbows out of camp for the most part. Coaches hey, but- have been pretty happy. But that's what Grand's there for. He's a salty old dog ready to rain on everybody's parade. And uh, I'm going to jump ahead, and that's why I was just shocked. Absolutely, like, I I was texting some other reporters. I was like, did he he just say that? And that was what Grand said about Jatan McClain. So I'm I'm skipping ahead chronological order because, holy hell, Adam Luckett, do we got Barry Sanders in the freaking lineup? I swear to God, I've never heard, never, ever, heard Eddie Grant talk about a player who's never seen the field the way that he talked about Jutame McLean after practice today. Yeah, it's pretty good, at least so far. I mean, in, in even when the guys got really good, there was always a, like, like let's be honest, these coaches learned in Stoops' early years, all right, we can't set the bar too high and let people down. We've got to kind of temper expectations. When Lynn Bowden came in, they did the same thing. They, they pumped the brakes. They, they pumped the brakes on a lot of guys. But to hear Grand not pump the brakes, I mean, it, I was shocked. I think it's – yeah, I think it's just more evidence that the coaching staff is so, so bullish on this 2020 class. Like, they think the majority of guys are going to be hits. Like, I don't think there's any doubt in their mind. Like, the most of these guys are going to be good players for us. Whereas in other classes, you're going to have, all right, this is a guy, you know, some developmental pieces and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But this class, man, you just hear – you hear Grand Gush about Bo Allen last week. Right. Um, you hear Ernest Sanders went up and made a 50-50 catch on a 50-yard bomb. That was, that was a beautiful hearing, pass, too. Now you're hearing about Juton McClain. Vito Tisdale is balling out. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's more evidence um, that the staff felt really good about the recruiting work they did in the 2020 class and I think it's starting to pay off there on the field early and well now you got the redshirt rule where everybody can redshirt this year yeah so you don't don't even have to worry about about, right (laughs) so you're just gonna get a redo we've been podcasting so long we're finishing each other's sentences but the the, the reason why I, I still remember Grant like it does feel like kind of similar to what he was saying about Benny Snell back in 2016, because there were some guys and like, there were some really talented guys in front of him. Uh, Jojo Kemp was a senior. You had, uh, 
Boom Williams making big explosive runs, and Michael Horton was this big physical back that you thought could could really take a leap forward that year. And he's like, man, this freshman Benny Snell, he, you know, he's he's going to make me. I tell him to make me make me play you is the kind of statement he shares for all those guys. And it was kind of similar. I mean, it, it, it's it's very similar in the way that they talk about him. Other than this side, it's more of a kind of mental. Like he said that McLean knows the offense as good as the other three guys, which is just like, are you wow? You know, like this guy's he he hadn't been here seven months. So I'm I'm excited about number twenty three. I'm excited about a lot of the guys and and to go back to your Bo Allen uh, to Ernest Sanders. Shout out to UK for sharing that video. That was just mwah, thank you. Thank you, because nothing, nothing's worse than whenever a coach will hype up a play and then you never get to see it. I will that, say that, that, uh, you saw Bryce Oliver taking it to the crib too. Yeah, on well, the screen. Your your camp TJ Carter. Your camp mm-hmm. TJ. There was one thing that I, I didn't want to forget about McLean. I also put my Adam Luckett uh, contrarian head on and thought, like, is he just, is he just trying to like get under the other guy's skin to make him work harder? Maybe that's part of it, but I still don't think you you're as um I don't know what the word is gushing to quite the degree that Grant is, unless there's something really there with Tom McLean. So something to be excited about. But that's that's the coach who would do it, talk about his own position. You're right about that too. Even though Grant typically is the kind of salty dog. Mm-hmm. But then he he said really good things about – we didn't hear anything about smoke today, but Mm -hmm. Rodriguez is steady hand and A.J. Rose, how much he's improved in pass protection. No. Other stuff's coming up too, good things on the other backs. I mean, they're really deep. I don't think it's hard to tell that the coaching staff feels really good about this team. Oh, (laughs) you're right. They can't wait to go play somebody what they got no they they absolutely can't although there is a like you know you gotta september 26th even though we're getting closer it does feel like it's pretty far away and while this was happening auburn they were not they were not doing anything they were not scrimmaging they were not practicing they're they they ain't done deadly uh, because they had 16 guys sidelined with covid and look at are are you getting are you are on a scale of one to ten, how, how worried does it make you for the opener that all these dudes from Auburn are, are down right now? I, I haven't really even thought about it like that. Like the game would get possibly postponed. I think it's early enough where they're going to be able to recover by the time kickoff gets here. What we well, need to worry about is when when it happens, you know, to a team 10, 14 days before kickoff, when that kind of outbreak happens. You're, no, you're exactly right. I also thought of it like it's just got to be weird knowing that, like, it's already wreaked hell through that team. Maybe there's some guys on with that. Like, if I was a player, I might have some, like, kind of concerns. But I guess at this point, you're just going full steam ahead, um, trying to get ready to, for them to play and then just to go kick their ass uh, because – Auburn, they're still a good football team, but I do think like it that this isn't the – they're not the kind of football team that can easily weather a setback like this. 
just as far as their experience and, and and kind of what they have to accomplish with a new offensive coordinator uh, you know, with a weird preseason. Well, one thing to remember with Auburn is, yes, they do have a new offensive coordinator, but Gus Malzahn is still the head coach. So he's brought in a handful of offense coordinators. He's back, he's seesawed back and forth, calling plays, not calling plays. And the offense ends up looking the same every year. They still run the same base plays. It's still a rinky dink play action pass game. And it's all about how they how you fit the run when you play Auburn. If you fit the run pretty well, you know, you're in pretty damn good shape. If you don't, um, you could they could be hanging a crooked number on you. And that's really all – that's what it is when you play Auburn. So, I don't really worry. Like, that offensive stuff, like, I'm fully expecting to see the same offense I've seen from Alzon the last five years. Gotcha. It's – with them, I think the concern is, all right, you're breaking in a new offensive line, a new offensive line coach. You're replacing all them dudes on that defensive line. I think that that's the – that's I think the concern because for those guys to kind of break in and get better, you have to you have to go full speed, you have to put the pads on, you have to play football. You can't take a week off, right? And now you break, and it's even harder for them when you have to open up with an SEC team like they, as much as anybody in the league, probably needed just a, a cobwebs game to start it off to just you know break some rust off, uh, figure out what everybody's through. doing. Like, yeah. figure out if maybe we shouldn't have started this guy. Maybe we need to, you know, move this guy here, vice versa, something like that. That's where I think – that's where I think the biggest issue um, for Auburn is. Well, and good for Kentucky. <laughs> I mean – Yeah. Well, I mean, the matchup – Kentucky matched up well with them. And a lot of – in this Auburn game, a lot of it's going to be – you know, Auburn's break it. They don't know who their running back's going to be. They're running – they're rotating about three or four guys in there who all look about the same to me. Um, all probably good players, but nothing nothing special, at least what I've seen yet. And your new all-line and what they want to do on offense now, they've got experienced quarterback and they got a, you know, a, not, not the receiver core, um, which could be kind of strength on strength versus Kentucky when you consider that secondary. Um, so I think the game matches up well for Kentucky. It's just it's a big game for Kentucky too because they they don't ever open up with something like this. Usually right. they have kind of a get your feet wet game too, where Always. Auburn does this every year. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I mean, this is just a little snippet of how much we get to talk about Auburn for the next month, um, because kind of on that COVID thing, you know, Graham was asked about uncertainties and whatnot, and his biggest one was I, I'm just just getting to September 26th with everybody. And there was something that he, he kind of talked about tonight that uh, not threw me for a loop, but I, I hadn't considered. Basically, they got to play a game of designated survivor. The mock-up, like, who are we putting in the bunker in case X, Y, and Z happens? And now he 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 posed just like a very simplistic one. Like, if I go down, who's calling plays? Well, it's probably going to be Darren Henshaw. Like, I, I feel like that's the, the safe pecking order. But those are the kind of things that you have to really play out. And, like, today on the offensive line, they had Darian Kennard at left tackle, right guard, right tackle. They had Quentin Wilson at center guard guard. They had Drake Jackson at guard. Like, they, they basically were like, all right, we're, we're putting everybody everywhere to know all of the positions possible. 
And yeah. that's an NFL tactic too, because NFL you only get a fifty-three man roster. Mm-hmm. So you'll see them early in camp move people around, see who can do what, and it's kind of I, they're kind of doing the same thing here, just in case something happens or even with injury. But I think on the line, like you probably have Sharma probably has eight to nine guys, or maybe let's say ten guys. He if we had to play them, I feel like we could play them. Mm-hmm. But I would like to, I would like to like be certain about eight to nine. He's probably certain about like six guys right now. But he would try to like to get certain about eight or nine, and that's when you see that rotation um, come in, as we've seen in the past in some seasons. Yeah, and I think the first two off the bench he's comfortable with Nasir Watkins and Quentin Wilson. I, I get the vibe that those two guys. Wilson can be the utility guy on the inside, and Watkins can be the you know he can play both tackles. He's he's done both at Kentucky, uh, and and the same kind of applies for receiver as well. Where they're they're bouncing some guys around out there, trying to see who fits what, when, where, how. Uh, and first time I haven't heard Bryce Oliver's name in a while because he was kind of talking about how uh, a guy gets moved down. Uh, if they don't do well, you, you try this position. If you don't do well, well, then you're going down or wrong till the next price. Then we try again. So the, we, we've reached the throwing it up against the wall, seeing what sticks portion of the preseason. And we also uh, have reached the point of the preseason where we're finally got some, some game times, Adam Luckett. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't shocked when I didn't hear the CBS news uh, surrounding Kentucky's name, but I was shocked when we found out that uh, Kentucky's still the SEC network. Well, no, they're not even the 730 SEC network special. They're basically the noon SEC network kickoff for the season. They got the Jefferson Pilot time slot. It's like this isn't the Jefferson Pilot time slot team. That when, when's Missouri going to play? When's Arkansas going to play? If Kentucky's playing all these games, like what the hell? Yeah, I uh, I don't know how the scheduling is working because. The, CBS only did six games. <laughs> yeah, they skipped weeks. Like, you, we know the first two weeks, but we don't know the third week. I, it was bizarre to me. The, the problem is, the problem is, Nick, SEC and ACC Network, both, they have to have those slots filled. So they're going to get, after CBS, the, those, for the most part, are going to get um, – um, prime selections they have to fill those spots and then everybody else will trickle elsewhere one reason too like it while i was really disappointed that kentucky didn't get one of those espn time slots i really like the joe test greg McElroy, holly road combo that's that's a hell yeah. of an announcing team that's solid yeah i, I, I like you both see of those a guys. big mike gullick is back in college football he'll be in yeah. the booth this year how did you like uh mike gullick jr on the fcs kickoff I, I'm still uh, I'm still TBD on him. Um, the couple times I've heard him, he's done. A, I think he's done a good job, but I I, I need more. I need to get more from him because yeah. I'm trying to figure out what like what he, what he's going for, kind of thing. Because I think he does bring some good X and O stuff, but there's also a Pat McAfee vibe um, to there, and I think that's kind of a that's kind of a interesting if oh, you can walk it, it it's awesome but if you can i think you can go wrong one way or the other so i'm oh, still so trying to fill him you're, out you're wondering if you need to tell him to get off your lawn with all this these the jokey mcjoke maker over here 
I think I think you can you can pull that off. I think, but like I think he does a good job um, going back to his playing days and talking some X and O stuff too. So he's he's quick witted, man. He's he's yeah. at least quick. Like he'll slide some little things in there that you don't notice. But I enjoyed the hell out of that FCS kickoff game. I mean, FCS football is just such a just beautiful mess, and it was perfectly encapsulated by the graphic where. Ozval for Austin P has six com- or eleven completions and six punts. Like, what? what are you- <laughs> I mean, it was just an absolute mess. You had big plays. You had the dude with the mullet, uh, the tight end, dropping the shoulder and, and hitting the truck stick. I mean, that game had everything, <laughs> including uh, uh, two touchdowns in the final minutes. I mean, it looked like it was it was it was nuts. It was absolute chaos. My favorite thing yearly about the football season started starting is that you get a game like that between two quality FCS teams. Those same kind of teams are playing in December in the FCS playoffs, and no one's watching. But you st- you put it at the beginning of the year, after there's just been this long layoff and this thirst for college football, especially this year, it's just been even more magnified. And people are treating that like it's the greatest thing <laughs> they've ever seen. Like Twitter, Twitter was awesome the whole night through it and it gave a gave us a wacky fourth quarter with a um crazy ending both teams going down um to score there at the end so it was just it was just fun to have that to have college football twitter back during a live moment uh was pretty fun and just to be able to watch college football and another thing about it like if you're used to watching a game like that like if you watch the mac at all or if you watch late night mountain west kickoffs because you're chasing you're not like those crowds do not bother you. Like that's what you're used to, but you know, it's just like, it, you don't even notice it. It's like, Oh, there's, there's five people up there and a, a bunch of bleachers, but you got a mom with her lucky cowbell right. ringing it. Yeah. In the stands, yeah. You know? And you just, it does, you don't even, it has no um, effect on you. You're just used to it. Oh, I mean, that was great. You had a, a great high school finish. Uh, the game that before that, that led into it. Where, X, yeah. Where Cincinnati St. X decides, they, they convert third and short. So I think – I don't know if the other teams still had timeouts or not. But they're up a touchdown with two minutes to go, and they decide let's, let's throw the ball on first down. And what happens? Oh, the quarterback gets strip-sacked. Like, mm-hmm. And then they go down and score a touchdown right away. I mean, it well, was after, just – That was right after uh, – Brownsboro team, I think, made a bad a mistake or went for it when they shouldn't. There was, there was gaffes on both sides. In that oh, game. man. A lot of that's first game, though, man. Oh. Just playing your first game, you don't really know what's going to happen. Well, and the thing was, too, is whenever that happened, I was, like, just doing my football thing in the chair, like, you idiots, why are you throwing the ball? Stupid, stupid. And my wife looks at me, and she's like, are you really getting mad right now at, <laughs> at, at a bunch of teenagers you don't know playing football? I'm like, yes, because it's football, and I I'm, I want to be mad at it. And it's not like I'm mad. It's just like a – I'm right. You're wrong. You idiots. Even my though, wife will like, do. She'll do the thing. Like what? Like if I make a, if I yell or do something, then I'm like, then I have to go down explaining it. And then it takes me too long to explain it. And then, then I have to go. You know, then I have to explain <laughs> something else. And I'm just like, nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's you know what it reminds me of. Like it. It's it's whenever, I I think this is like an overall women thing. You'll be driving in the car and then they just. <gasps> And you yeah. think you're about ready to get T-boned, and really it's just 
oh my god look how cute this dog is on my phone and you're like damn it what can you can we can we can we figure out the scale of gasp oh you know like i'm mm-hmm. about to get hit by a car that kind of gas versus oh my gosh look a cute dog on the side of the road like let's let's find a happy in between but hey we're back to to screaming about college football things are feeling more normal and look at I, I think we've only got one more thing before we get to to real good stuff and that was jagger burton committing sunday night which i i think we we kind of all expected it especially after uh, we found out that it was going to be a KS Barn Grill, but nonetheless. Did you see what Mr. Burton did to his Twitter header? Man, what a move. <sighs> did you get worried at all when you saw that? No, I do. I, I, like, man, as soon as you and Freddie interviewed him at KS Bar for a podcast, and then you saw Alabama and Ohio State loading up on OLs, like, all the signs were pointing to him coming to Kentucky. Yeah. So I, I like I had a pretty good hunch that he was going to commit, and especially at being at KS Bar, all signs. If it wasn't, it was going to be like the most troll move of all troll moves to go that way and then pull the rug out from under everybody. How hilarious would it have been if he threw on that yellow Oregon hat? <laughs> and uh, it was it was a I'll give him credit. They got down to business on the announcement. Oh around. man, that was a bloggers dream. Absolute bloggers dream to to be able to have that kind of like the noon kickoffs. Like selfishly like, oh, you mean uh, the game's over with and I can like watch other games throughout the day? Like mm-hmm. fine by me, but also it's just not as it's not as cool with having that night kind of build up. But yeah, it's cool having the build up and the hype kind of you spend all day getting ready for the game. Yeah, yeah, but like in commitments, nobody likes waiting around. The Justin Rogers one might have been the most drawn out, like not suspenseful, but it was just because you you it, it it took so long that you got to the point of like, is he is he ever going to announce? They had a video that didn't work, which I mean, the fact that the video worked at the bar and we got our technology to work, that's like Mark put that in the KSR <laughs> history books because that's never <laughs> happened before. Um, but all in all, uh, things went off, went out a hitch, and and now Frederick Douglass is p- painted blue. You got two more kids that are high after in that next class, twenty twenty one. Thank he and Ty Bryant. Yeah, a couple of legacies. Yeah, but it was it was big to get a prime time offensive lineman, especially after missing on a few in Lexington in specific, and Jed Wills and Walker Parks to be able to get him um, kind of adds some emphasis to the big blue wall and what you're building. Not only are you doing it on the field, but you're, you're getting guys um, in the, on the recruiting trail, especially in your own backyard. Yeah. And, and that's what the big blue wall was built on Landon Young and Drake Jackson. I mean, that it's been four or five years of just steady play. Uh, and, and they, those two played a big part of it. And, it helps to have fans who can identify with it because, you know, there's been other guys. Uh, Mason Wolf played a key role. But having the the big names from the hometown really pops. Um, which, by the way, you mentioned Jedrick Wills. You see where he's day one left tackle starter for the Browns? Mm-hmm. Man. That's what happened. Top ten pick. You're going to play right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no no time to learn. But the – the building of this offensive line is kind of textbook how you have to do it if you're a program like Kentucky. A five-star in your backyard, got to go get him, Landon Young. Another elite recruit in your backyard, Drake Jackson, go get him. And then after that, you know, 
It's plucking the Darian Kennard from Ohio. It's um, taking in guys like Luke Fortner, Mason Wolf, who were low three stars, um, developing in them and turning them into um, solid players after years of growth in the program. And then a mix of that, where you're talking about getting uh, the star talent in high school, mixing it with um, having an eye for talent and being able to develop it um, with some lower ranked guys and having them all mesh together. I think that's how you do it at a program like Kentucky. Like you have to, you're only going to get so many chances to get, you know, top 200 type players. Mm -hmm. So when you get them in your program, like it's really important to hit on them, especially guys that are local, because if you miss on some local guys, then the next crop is kind of looking at giving you that side eye. Like, yeah, I've seen a guy that was similar to me not succeed there. Why isn't he succeeding there? Especially when you see some of these guys that are, that have gone to Alabama from the area, Damian Harris and Jeb Willis, they go there and, been really good yeah, yeah. yeah so that's something you have to compete against um so i think that that's in a perfect world i think that's if kentucky's looking at themselves in the mirror like that's how that's how we would draw it up on the board how it will work two two young guys that i think can kind of fit that mason wolf type blueprint where they're lower three stars but they really turn into quality offensive linemen i think eli cox from mm-hmm. uh, nicholasville fits that yeah. bill um and, and i also think that the Wallabaugh kid who's in this class, who's mm-hmm. – I, I think he's he, he's a little bit higher ranked, but I, I think he's going to end up being a really talented player. On yeah, I, 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 he's one of my favorites in this class. I think he's really good. Yeah, so Kentucky right now, their recruiting ranking isn't the sexiest. Um, which yeah, meant, but Nick, it's it's up there. Like, it's now with that – that's that was a much-needed star power. Now it's right there. Like, it's the average star rating that you could expect it right to be like 35, somewhere in the mid-30s. Mm-hmm. so that's 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 where you want to be every year if you can be right there and if you look at the sec like kentucky's clumped right there together with like 9 10 11 12 13 and then vandy at 14 like they're all in that group and like they're just all those schools like missouri arkansas old miss south carolina and kentucky they're all like you're splitting hairs so if you can get yeah. to that ninth or tenth spot that, that's a good spot to be and they're not they're not far they're not far from that. Um now they, they still have a lot of work to do. Um and I think they've still got a chance that Noah Josie kid um down there in Nashville, that offensive lineman, yep. four star. Mm-hmm. Um and Rayshon Benny, obviously, they're still in play for him. And there'll be some other guys that we'll see pop up here. And there'll be the decommitments too, that they might be some guys they have to recover from. So there's still a long way to go. But this class was always going to be judged on, man. Yeah, what if Burton and Crowdis? Could you get them out of Douglas? And, and you got them. And, yeah. and especially and so, no matter what, I don't think what no matter what happens from here, this class is. I think you have to consider it a success because those were the two guys you had to get. And as long as nothing, um, nothing that we're not forecasting happens, yeah, right. they'll be on your team next year. And I think that's going to help you get these next two out of there too. So I, I just think that was uh. That was the goal for the 2021 class, and I think they accomplished it. And, uh, you know, you can't have, you know, 2020 classes every year. You know, you you can't do that all the time. Uh, You're hitting on all of them, but you can build some momentum next year. Today they just started – it it became the contact period for juniors. They could. A lot of thing about this class, too, is the momentum never really got going. Because of the, they didn't have spring to get kids there. Yeah, well, that and like, um, they didn't have a big time quarterback like commit early. 
um, to get get things going. Mm-hmm. Burton, who was the big fish in the class, took his time, which he right. had. That's his choice to do. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that would you know, if you get somebody like that early, that that'll help you a little bit when commits start flying off the wall there in the summer. Man. And so, like, so they they really they just could not get the momentum. Ohio recruiting Ohio has just been weird this cycle. Um, a lot of it's due because they've they've had a lot of you know top 100 guys, and Ohio State just got all of them. Right. And then there's right. kind of a drop off there. Um, so it's been a weird year from that from that standpoint. Um, but I think they've kind of they piecemealed it together a little bit, and by getting you know five of the top eight right now in the state of Kentucky, um, not too shabby. They're in a good spot, right? Yeah, yeah. And Christian Lewis too. He did, he did pretty good the other night. He had three yeah, touchdowns. That's going to be one. Yeah, eighty one yarder too. He keeps balling out. That's going to be one. Got to keep. They're going to have to work for your your Auburns and your in the deep south. Right? Yeah, away from them. Um, well, enough's enough. It's time to get to what we've been waiting for sec win totals get out your books we're, we're going to make some money adam luckett let's roll we're using lines that bovada put out a week ago so they may have may have slightly changed but our good friend sec mike tweeted these out on august 18th i believe so they're they're just a little over a week old um and i, I just kind of want to go to the top down through divisions and we can make these kind of quick hitters uh where we don't have you to want to start west or east first uh, let's go with the west um because uh well they're not the, they're not our division they're not the cats aren't there so we'll we'll save kentucky the best for last um starting with bama at nine and look at do you think any team's gonna go undefeated and win 10 sec games this year i had bama nine and one losing to lsu yeah I, now, I, I, lsu is having some type of roster um turnover that we've never really even seen it's kentucky basketball level roster turnover and jamar chase is now they're having out that's why you know what jamar chase and tyler shelvin who is their best defensive player or not the best single is their best the best defensive lineman who's potentially a top 15 pick he's out too oh wow Sheldon. Oh. so like i wonder if jamar chase has been practicing and it's like Man, this Miles Brennan ain't it, brother. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. <laughs> you know, because he's been practicing for a while. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you have to want. I wonder, like, I, you have to wonder. They're at LSU, and this is part of Adams Camp. So, hell, our training bus. So, hop on. <laughs> like, the groups LSU's in with all of these programs have dudes that are in this situation every year where they come off a big maybe sophomore year, they enter their junior year, they could easily sit out if they wanted to. Um, and they have 50-50 draft decisions that a lot of times go their way. For example, Najee Harris is back at Alabama. But at LSU, they had some 50-50 decisions. Um, Thaddeus Moss, the tight end, he mm-hmm. goes to NFL. So you see, like, you see this exodus, like, why? What, what's going on? Why is, like, Alabama, Clemson – why are they able to – in Georgia, why are they able to get some guys to stay, stick around? And why is this – it just makes me think. Why is this happening at LSU after, you know, you couldn't even have a better year? Why, where would, you know, why would you want to leave? But all this is happening. I, I, it just makes me wonder. I, I think some of it is may, maybe some of those guys think they had lightning in a bottle. Um, yeah. 
I, I think that certainly plays a part of it. Uh, not having Joe Burrow or Joe Brady back, if you're an offensive guy, I'm sure that makes yeah. you second it guess. Should, certainly doesn't help lose both of your coordinators for the most part. <laughs> yeah, Randy so, Baylor and then Brady. And, and you throw in the COVID factor, and like you, were, you would have been asking those guys to do a lot in a regular season, uh, and now they just have an excuse to go. So, like, that's why – I mean, now they can just go. They can go give mm-hmm. get their monopoly money from Odell Beckham yeah. and just cash in now. You know, yeah. why, why the hell not? Well, it wasn't like they decided early though. They like went. They went through the hard stuff. <laughs> like you're going through can't like that's the hard part. You know. Yeah. So yeah. like, why, why why are why are they making this decision? I just think I just think it is it's interesting. Like it just makes mm-hmm. me think. What is something more? Is there something more to there than we're like than we're like seeing right now? Um, so to answer your question, yes, I think Alabama's going to run the table. Oh, okay. So you've got the over. I'm just on the. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't. Play, I wouldn't play that. But that's my pick. Like if you made me pick a side, um, over or under, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm going to lead towards that over. Yeah, and I, even though this is the kind of bounce back saving year that he's notoriously good at, I'm taking under. I'm just the notion that nobody's going to go. Uh, 10 and 0. Yeah. I'm just going to stick my guns to it. The, the number we had for LSU was eight, and I'm sure that that's got to be like seven and a half now. Uh, yeah, you would. If you could lock it in at eight, that under, I would go ahead and do that. Even though they do have a pretty manageable that's what schedule. I'm about to get. They're still going to go, I think, at least seven and, or they'll have a really good shot at seven and three, a puncher's chance at eight and two. Probably come down to that AM game at the end because yeah. that schedule is awesome. And they, yeah. they like, they're still uber talented. They really couldn't have, I mean, as long as you make keep the pirate at bay in that that first game, I mean you don't play anybody till week four. Florida, you got Auburn, a bye, Alabama, and just finish up your Texas A&M. I mean, you, you seven and three is very like I feel like you're not even asking much at that point to to go seven and three. So getting to eight yeah. would be too tough if it's at seven and a half. But I would still just worry about. Oh, you, you worry about the turnover too much to touch it. So I, I would stay away from it as well. I'm I'm taking the under eight, and even if it's seven and a half, I'm probably taking yeah, the under calling them seven and three. The thing with LSU is where do they get upset? Because you look at these these opponents like Vanderbilt, no Missouri, no Mississippi State. Maybe if it was later in the season, but that's probably a little too early um, mm-hmm. for Leach to have that thing humming. Plus, it's at at LSU, right. South Carolina, right. no, um, at Arkansas, no. <laughs> Ole Miss at home, maybe at the end, maybe that's the one, but they get them at home. And then at the other four games, you know, Alabama, AM, Auburn, Florida, um, three of those are on the road, but you got to think they get one of the three. And if they get one of those three, that's a seven and three season. Yeah. So uh, oh, I, know, I feel it, like seven as and long three. as that, things don't go wrong, seven and three, uh, you should feel pretty good about that. And if you get it, the total, that's why I expect that total probably to get to seven and a half, eight. It'll stay right there. I don't think it'll. Um, drop down to seven. If it drops at seven, just go ahead and play that over because you should feel pretty safe that they're going to at least get seven. We uh we, we talked a little bit about Auburn uh, earlier in the podcast, but I am just bearish on – I think that's the right word uh, – on on the bullish. Tigers this year. Well, bullish is like you think they're going to be good. I'm oh, the okay. opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Suck it, Auburn. Because yeah, I'm, this is my favorite – this is probably my favorite – well, it's not my favorite one, but it's one of my favorite ones, so – uh, they're at seven and because i think when you go through this you want to just write down your walk-up wins and i'm mm-hmm. counting up one 
two, three, maybe four. And, and, that, and that's counting Mississippi State as one, and I don't know if you can do that. They don't have just a lot of just guaranteed wins. They've got a ton of toss-ups and maybe just downright L. So I, based on that, based on all of the turnover on the offensive and defensive line, I, I'm I'm taking the, the under seven with Auburn. Yeah, Nick, I got them at five and five. I've got the under two. Yeah. And, and, and when Ivan drew that out, that's even with a, a win against Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, uh, because like Tennessee – uh, as much as we hate them, like mm-hmm. I mean, that they, they've got they've got a tough sledding here. And here's the thing: between uh, the cross divisional games, um, that's not counting Georgia, just Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina. You know, I think at best you hope for two and one there. Yeah. Um, and so then you have to go to Georgia, you have to go to Alabama. Those are probably losses. Mm-hmm. So that's three losses right there. The total seven. Yeah. Yeah. So you're sitting at seven and three, and you still got games with LSU at home. You still got to go at Ole Miss. You still got to go to Mississippi State, and you host Texas A&M. So I don't think you're running the table there. No, no. So I feel pretty dang strong if it, that, that number is at seven to play the under. Um, I think it's five and they're looking at five and five, six and four. You're, and you're, you're this is a lock it, lock it, lock it up. Yeah. Get is, that, get that seven is, while you can. When I, I'm going to release, I guess I'll need to do it next week, but I'll release my best probably six or seven. I'll go through everybody. Um, maybe I'll be going through a big 10 one too. We might we'll see about that, <laughs> but yeah, this is that, this one will be on there. Auburn. Um, give me the under seven or six and a half, whatever it is. As long as it's six or half seven, I really like it. Texas A&M. I think I like this one a lot too. Like it. Yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. And this number is at six. Like, which one are you taking to this? Are you on the under or the over? Yeah, I'm on the over. I think A&M finishes second in the West. Oh, man, I am too. And it's it's one of those things where from the – like a lot of these teams you identify with the quarterback. And Kellen Mond has never really overly impressed me. But Texas A&M still has a lot to offer. And the way I look at it, when as far as their lock-it-up games – to hit that over, all you have to do is win one game against LSU, Florida, Bama, and Tennessee. Do I think they're going to get Bama? Probably not. But the way that things are going, LSU, uh, the wheels, uh, you know, they kind of seem shaky. Tennessee, they're kind of similar in that they are they're pretty deep, but quarterback play can be shaky. So I I think that you you can get one out of those four games and and go ahead and get your over. I think the LSU, the news of this roster attrition, I think it helps out A&M the most um, because I think that that game leans more towards them, especially with it being at home. Um, obviously, Alabama is going to be tough, um, but you avoid Georgia. You get Florida at home. And then they're just more talented. They have more talent than all these other teams. That Tennessee will be a little tough, um, but I just like how it shakes out for them. I think this is a, the year Jimbo kind of gets his big season, and I think they win seven to eight. So, locking that over. Yeah, and uh, is it because maybe they drew Vandy? Or are we just going to give overs to all the SEC West teams that drew Vandy? Maybe. Maybe yeah, that so. might that that could be the swing card there for sure. <laughs> Which these I love the next but, two. But the A and M's weird schedule though, because they could easily start one and two, and then all we're going to hear is how Jimbo stinks. <laughs> but then they, you look at the schedule, they could win out too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but hey, just just win one of those early ones, right? Go ahead and upset Florida. Yeah, but if you win one of those, yeah, you're in a you're in a really good spot. 
uh, egg bowl time. All right. We got Ole Miss three and a half. A full game better than Mississippi State at two and a half, which kind of surprises me just from what uh, Joe Moore had left in the cover for the Bulldogs and how things ended last year. Uh, of what, which one would you like to go with first? Let's start with a lane. The lane train. Yeah. I like what? What's the number? Three and a half. Three and a half. And here's the here's yeah. the guaranteed wins that you have for Ole Miss, Arkansas, Vandy, and South Carolina. Yes, I'm counting the South Carolina game. Suck it, must champ. Uh, <laughs> two of those on the road, though. I mean, they're the worst two teams, but. Yeah, they're the worst two teams. If you get some semblance of normalcy, mm-hmm. you can almost walk those up. And the the reason why I'm on the over is because Mike Leach, for as fun as he is, he's terrible against his rivals. Absolutely dog crap against Washington and Apple yeah. Cup. He's traded his apples for eggs, and I don't think they're going to do many favorites. So I've got Ole Miss in the over, yeah. and I'm going to take it to the bank because I, I think you're going to get points no matter what with this team. Uh, they're going to give up a lot, but I think you're going to get points. Matt Corral and Elijah Moore back there slinging it around. Just in a vacuum, I think Ole Miss has a better roster. And then I like that they get Florida and Alabama out of the way early. Just get those losses out of the way. Take, take your, your lumps, yeah. and then kind of build something. You get Vanderbilt before the bye, which is nice, and you get South Carolina after the bye. Um, so a three and a half, I would lean over. I think they can get to four and six. I think they got a puncher's chance at five and five. Well, and they can also. I mean, like they could upset an Auburn at home. You know, mm-hmm. they, yeah, that's a big that's a big spot for them. I think Auburn at home, and then you know, late in the year, it's can you. What do you do against at AM or at LSU? Can you kind of give them one of them? They'll give one of them teams a scare, I would think, at the end of the season. Yeah, and that's that's Lane Kiffin. That's Lane Kiffin ball for you. So I, I like them at four and six. Now, Mississippi State, this is a little bit different story, but here's something. I mean, the SEC really did hand Mike Leach a nice little platter where in their their additional games in the East, they picked up Vandy and Missouri both at home just write them down, right? This two wins and they already play Arkansas at home. And all you have to do is get to three. Like, come on, Mike Leach, you got to give me three wins with KJ Costello, Colin Hill, and uh, uh, what, what's his, uh, the, uh, Earl Thompson in on defense. There, There's enough pieces there that you can get to three wins with this schedule. I don't care if it's a 10 game SEC schedule. Mike Leach can do this in year one. This was a total, I think, that opened at four at some other places. And it moved fast down yeah. to the two and a half it's at. You look at their schedule, man. They have to go in separate months. They have to go to LSU, to Alabama, to Georgia. So, waiting on them in each third of the season is just a gauntlet, just an automatic lose. Um, you get, you know, confidence, potential breaking game. Um, so when I, I just look at it, man, like two and a half is probably the perfect number. Like I think it's two and eight, three and seven is what they're looking at. So it's really how you feel. When I wrote it up, I had them at two and eight. So I mean, I guess I would lean under, but I, I mean, I, it's a stay away there at two and a half for me because I think it's um, pretty, pretty good shot. It's either at three and seven or two and eight. I think it's going to be a long season for them. Um, I think missing spring ball was have, has the biggest impact on them more than anybody else in the league just because 
you're, it's just brand new. I mean, it's brand new everything on both sides of the ball. Going from, you know, a multiple kind of 3-4-4-3 three, four, four, three, to this weird, funky 3-3-5 three, three, stack on defense. And then offensively, um, you're going from, you know, RPO everything with Joe Moorhead to, you know, running mesh meshes and four birds and just doing nothing but passing with Michael Leach. It's just – and it's just it's just a total change, I think. And I think oh, that's going to – I think that when we get to November, December, that's what we're going to be talking about. Like, it was a year zero, year zero situation for them because of everything was at play um, for the Bulldogs. They undoubtedly have the most question marks, but, like, come on. Arkansas and Vandy take care of business and then just beat Missouri or Ole Miss. That's, that's all you got to do to hit that number. And I, I have enough mm-hmm. faith in the power to rally the troops. And if I was an Arkansas fan, um, you, you get to play Missouri. So you got that going for you. Rivalry, the border mm-hmm. war, right? Is that what they call it? <laughs> yeah. They got a trophy and everything. Oh man. For Arkansas, like they'll, they'll get Thoughts somebody, they'll get somebody, but this thing is murderous row. You can't get a more, uh, uh, a more daunting slate than what no. uh, Birmingham put in front of the Hogs. Yeah, hundred year check must have pissed somebody off in Birmingham. Like, there's no other explanation. <laughs> it's a it's a stupid yeah. schedule, and they didn't even throw them. Vandy. Yeah, you have to screw somebody and. Arkansas was who they decided to screw. Might as well screw the pigs. All right, on to the <laughs> SEC East. Uh, Georgia has the highest over under the line set at eight and a half. Uh, Adam Luckett, where, where are you feeling on yeah, the Georgia Bulldogs? It's perfect. I got them at eight and two. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way because laying that over um, at eight, that, that's tough. With, especially with an Alabama road trip on the on the schedule. An Alabama road trip, you still got the cocktail party, um, and I know they've had Florida's number, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I think that's I yeah. Think I mean, if you the record uh, for Georgia, if you think they're going to win the cocktail party, though, I could see how you could talk yourself into the the over. You're just not leaving yourself any room for error. Especially for me, when I pick season totals, I like I want to have wiggle room. Like I want to see, like I want to, I want it to be over the total, and then I want to have. Can I give myself a game or so in case there's an upset or injury or who knows what else? And with George, with this total, it's the perfect number, eight and a half, because it's going to be eight or nine in my opinion. And this is one of those the way their schedule sets up too. It could be derailed by week four um, because even though they start with a cupcake at Arkansas, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, three in a row. And you got the rivalry aspects in two of those three where things can get a little wonky. This could be Tennessee's time to uh, show the world that they're back. Um, so, like, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of just – it can get really hairy there, and I, I think that's why yeah. you got to stay away well, from it or take the under. The schedule, I mean, wins are baked in after the bye because um, yeah. they get a week to prepare for Florida, but the last four they're going to be heavy favorites in. But these sandwich spots, like you talked about, Tennessee, um, Arkansas the week before rivalry Auburn, Tennessee the week before the rivalry Alabama, Kentucky the week before the bye week where you're getting ready for the cocktail party. Like those are – and two of those games uh, are uh, – Kentucky gets them on the road. That's the only, only spot they – well, like Arkansas, excuse me. But but Kentucky gets them – I think Kentucky gets them a great spot. I think they're going to have a really good chance to mm-hmm. um, get an upset there. 
and you, you, you're you breaking a new quarterbacks. You do have a real new yeah. offensive coordinator. I just I, stay away or go with the under. Um, and their team, they just lost uh, a receiver who was probably who had a chance to be their probably their second best receiver. Oh, I think it's uh, Dominic Blaylock. Yeah, yeah. Um, UK uh, tie there. His brothers played here. Yeah, and one of them was on like an MTV reality. No, Bachelor. He was on the Bachelor. JD yeah, so, Harmon was on. The so losing show. him, I think, I think hurts you. That entry bug, it's popped up there in Athens with the quarterbacks mm-hmm. going through some issues, and then um, losing him, I think, is a big one. Um, that's just something to keep an eye on. They still got some other dudes there, but you know, another injury or two at their receiver position, and then then they're really thin, and then they might be forced to kind of go to ground and pound. This uh, this Florida team, the line is at seven and a half, like it, and I want to pick the over if I know who I'm getting. So I kind of want to wait till the season gets a little bit closer mm-hmm. on this one because. Now, when you look at the baked-in wins, I mean, they start pretty slow, and you got A&M and Mizzou – or A&M and LSU back-to-back. Um, That's likely a split. Yeah, you're likely splitting those. And then you've got Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee. Really, uh, the way that I kind of looked at it is if you beat Georgia, Kentucky, or LSU, you can reach your your 8-2 and two mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just just beat one of them, and I I think they'll get one of those. Um, and that's me being bullish on Kentucky, even though the Cats, like objectively speaking, have given Florida fits. They've still found ways to win as of late. Mm-hmm. I, they should be able to get to to that, but that's what we we mentioned it earlier with the Trayvon Grimes and Kadarius Tony and all these players. Like, I, I know they're back at practice, but that's just a situation that I'm careful. And I'd, I'd probably end up staying away, but if you made me, I'd take over seven and a half. I think seven and a half again is the perfect number. For me, looking at Florida's schedule, all right, Nick, remember the Georgia games in Jacksonville. Who's Florida losing to at home? Like, if they beat LSU at home, they get Kentucky in a really good spot because it's a week after Kentucky plays Alabama. And they got Vandy the week before. So, so yeah, so getting LSU at home, you kind of that, – that cleans up your uh, your home slate. Um and depending on how you feel about the cocktail party, you can talk yourself into it either way. I think they're going to lose, so that's why I had them at seven and three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you if you think they're going to clean up at home, which the schedule kind of sets up for them to do that, uh, I think it's very easy to talk yourself into that over. Like get them getting eight two, especially if you think they're the best team and they're going to win the division. And I could I could also see some weird scenario where Tennessee makes the the season finale a bowl game and kind of wrecks it though. Tennessee's a, a weird team. We'll, we'll just go to yeah, Tennessee. I'm, I'm excited for that game. I think that's going to be a cool game in the season. Yeah, I, I think it will as well. Let's let's skip Kentucky. We're, we'll just save them for last. Uh, Tennessee, they've got it set at four, which Kentucky actually a little above them at four and a half. And look at I feel like they have almost four automatic wins already on their schedule with South Carolina to open the season, Missouri at home, Vanderbilt, and uh, I guess I'm counting Texas A&M. Or no, Arkansas. Excuse me. Uh, I missed that one. So I feel like they've got four pretty gimmies right there. And then at that point, you're just fishing for them to – I mean, you just need one more win. Uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be too much to ask, even though you've got uh, all of the, the top teams in the SEC all on their schedule. Nick, this total stinks, and I mean it stinks out loud. Why is this only at four? 
Like why? Like we've heard about Tennessee all off season. How like they're the you know they're the they're the next in line. They're this. They're that. Why? Why is this line at four? That it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I've got it clear. I've got it clear over two games. But this makes me think. What am I missing here? Does Vegas know something about their is quarterbacks? It, is there something about Tennessee that we need to know? I mean, the schedule is brutal. You is you have to play. Gonna hit the fan. Something happened in there. Yeah. I mean, take out LSU, and then you're playing all the top probably other seven, eight teams. You know, when you're looking at. Georgia, Kentucky, Alabama, Texas A&M, Auburn, Florida. So whatever that math is, that's you know you're playing the best of the best outside LSU. But man, I don't I just don't know. The South Carolina game is huge for both teams. Which South Carolina, Nick? Um, I don't know if we want to get on our bus right now. But let's get on our bus and go to South Carolina. And I'm just going to tell you before that uh, I'm taking the under. Come on, you think I'm going to do something nice for Will Muschamp? South South Carolina has a problem at the skill positions. They're like running back Marshawn Lloyd, which we talked about, out for the ACL. Their other running backs, it's just, you know, you don't know. But it doesn't look very promising. At wide receiver, they've got Shy Smith, who's played for them for a little bit. It's pretty good. But after that, they've got a kid by the name of Luke Doty, was a dual-threat quarterback out of Myrtle Beach. And when you see Luke Doty, think kind of like Jake Locker, okay? Okay. Like, this really the athletic quarterback, um, can play multiple positions if you need him to, runs a really fast 40. They're, they're using him at like he's practicing at receiver right now. <laughs> and he's going to play receiver for him. And he's going to be their wildcat quarterback. Like, they're going to, like, make a concerted effort to get him five, six touches a game, sounding like. They, they're, they're in trouble at wide receiver. They're waiting on a, a graduate transfer waiver. It was a kid that I think transferred from, like, FCS or Division two. That their their skill position, they're in, they're in trouble. Like that that this offense quietly could be really bad this year, and I don't think people have really recognized it yet because of the Bobo hire and whatnot. But mm-hmm. the talent there is it's just not looking good. And then you bring in you know a new play caller like Bobo's going to have to have a magic wand to make some stuff happen there this year. What With a guy be. like Ryan Holinsky, who he's well, big, I'm not even sure Holinsky's going to be a starter. Well, that I mean, it's kind of the point. Like who who's the guy right? right. Who, even mm-hmm. lean to, you know. Mm-hmm. So it just suck it, must champ. Right, and three and a <laughs> half is probably the, the you know the right number. Um, to get there, they have to upset somebody though. Like you're giving them Tennessee. the win. You're giving them the win against Vanderbilt. You're giving them the win against Missouri at home. Um, at least I am, and then yeah. it's like, but that Missouri Ole Miss, like, can't they'll, they'll split those. Let's say they split Missouri Ole Miss that little trip. Okay. Um, so and they beat Vanderbilt. So that's two wins. Yeah. So fine. Can they upset? Can they upset Tennessee at home? Can they upset Kentucky. Auburn at home? And which is in a good spot. Can they beat Kentucky on the road last game? Yeah. No, I'm not bad. They get A and M at home off the bye. That's there's you're, some chances there for it. But you're but fishing for two there? wins, man. You really are to hit that over. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't even think it's close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's partially my hate for. Uh, South Carolina, but like still, you're you're really fishing for some wins there, and and the thing is too, like it when you talk about talent, like at least you know Pharaoh Cooper or uh, uh, what's his name is with the 49ers now, uh, Debo, 
Debo. Like With Brian Edwards, too, who's with the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, like – All-time leading receiver. He started for four years and was good for them. You and he's least, gone. All those guys are gone. You had a couple guys who were like, man, they could go off and just change a game. And you, you, don't, you, don't, ha- you don't have anything. So I, it's it's the most must champ thing ever to finally get like a proven good offensive coordinator, and he's got nothing there oh, right now. Man. You know, you lose that offense was going to be built around Marshawn Lloyd. Like they were going to run that kid to to wherever he could carry him. Like he was going to carry that offense. And losing him, you know, people don't people oh. you don't follow recruiting or whatnot. If you're not that into it, people are just kind of not talking about it. That was a huge loss. Yeah. Like that, that kid was gonna mean everything to their offense this year. This year, in my opinion, and you lose him and get new coordinator. You got questions at quarterback, receiver is a shrug emoji. It's just I don't know. I think it could get it could get ugly for them. Um, Missouri, we all know that how, what I think about uh, our good friend Eli Drinkwitz. Their line is set at three, and when I look around, you can give them the. Vanderbilt win, uh, as we've given everybody. And they've got that rivalry with Arkansas. So, you know, maybe yeah. – uh, Both at home, too. Yeah. So, okay, now um, can you beat Mississippi State to end the season to get to three? Can you beat South Carolina down the stretch? There's there's a – There are opportunities for them to get the three, potentially four. See, they, they really start off with a, a punch in the face. Alabama, Tennessee, LSU. Mm-hmm. You get Vandy, uh, and then – Well, really, the four out of the first five is yeah. really tough. So, just winning one, you feel okay about. Then you you, you, you host UK before a bye week. I think UK, they get UK at a good spot, too, right after they play Georgia and what's going to be a – I'm projecting to be a monster game. Right, right. So, in, in Missouri's put UK to sleep before. Um, like that, we saw that the last time they were there, uh, in the two times before that, that, that field has a way of putting UK to sleep. So you do have a chance there and then it's a bye week and you're like, okay, after Georgia, we've got three winnable games here. So I think if you, if you want to buy into the nerd, you can, um, but I'm not going to, um, I'm taking the under. Yeah. Um, I had them at three and seven. Yeah. So you look at that, Uh that. That three number is perfect, so I would probably stay away from it. Ooh, Vanderbilt, one and a half. Uh, my question to you, Adam Lucky, <laughs> could Vanderbilt beat Frederick Douglass? Yes, they could beat Frederick Douglass. I don't know. I don't, we need to make this like um, could the Kentucky, could Kentucky beat, beat the, the Wizards or whatever it was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was back on the Cavs were really crappy. But, right. I mean, my goodness, they – they had somebody opt out. Did Alabama beat the Jaguars? <laughs> the, Vandy had an offensive lineman opt out who transferred mm-hmm. there from Michigan. Michigan, Stephen Spinellis. Vanetti told me this, and I don't know if I can believe this, but they only have four offensive linemen on their roster. That can't be true, can it? They've had that was they've had four opt out. Oh, okay, okay. I think that's where you got to flip flop. But yeah. my God, poor Danny Clark. Danny, well, Nick, here's what's going to happen. This is just Adam reading in between the lines. Got a practice report, which, by the way, like I've been trying to find a beat writer um, to follow for like each team so I can keep up to speed. I can't really find it, Danny. <laughs> like I, I don't know where they're at. Just follow, <laughs> or, just follow or Jared they don't Stillman. Get covers. Uh, him, 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 and Derek Mason so, uh, have a nice little rivalry. 
so Chad Bishop, who used to write for uh, WKU, uh, he used to be a yeah. Well, he's he works. I think he wrote for a Vandy rival site, and then they hired him like the like their athletic. Um, he writes for their official athletic website now. Okay. So he's a so, part of the communication team that I don't think got fired. He's the one guy that they left. <laughs> well, he had a practice report that kind of – basically it talked about the quarterback battle and didn't really say he was ahead, but it gave a quote from the, office, from the offensive coordinator. And pretty much what the story said, two guys were in for spring. This true freshman from Texas was one of them. And the quote was like, I really like what I'm seeing from the true freshman. Ken Sills is his name. So this kid, they're going to run this kid out um, to start. And I just hope, I hope it doesn't ruin it. Because what, what it seems like, this kid's got some potential, but they don't have much around him. And mm, the doubts have hit probably the hardest day. But they did have an opt-in, Dimitri Moore opt-back in. Uh, yeah, he, 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 he opted out and he re-opted in. Mm-hmm. He re-opted back in. But, and, but you look at a Vandy, they're going to be like a two-touchdown dog in like every game. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Uh, and that's so a B and plus came out. One with, and a half is that's just no. Make you get one, maybe, but one and a half, you're that's reaching a little bit. I'm actually going to look up those SP plus lines real quick that they put out today because I'm wondering just how far down the list it, you you have to go for Vandy to. I mean, they've got to be. I did. I I calculated it up before the SP update. Yeah, in, in which Kentucky was ranked in the top 25. Kind of nice to see the analytics uh, showing them some love. Uh, oh, my goodness. What did I just – oh, ESPN. I hate ESPN's website so much. You can't just control yeah, awesome. F, find stuff. It's miserable. They got autoplay videos. It's as bad as USA Today. Uh, Vanderbilt's ranked one-tenth. They have a negative 11.6 SP. Plus. So, Kentucky's a 20-point favorite. Uh, twenty-one point favorite already. Yeah, I've I've got I can read them out to you all right now. This is this might change about a couple points, but this is what I had projected lines. Vandy plus thirty-one and a half at Texas A&M. LSU at Vandy plus twenty-nine. Oh, South Carolina at Vandy plus fifteen and a half. Oh Jesus! Vandy plus fifteen at Mizzou. Ole Miss at Vandy plus fifteen and a half. Vandy plus sixteen at Mississippi State. That's two win SEC Mississippi State. Vandy plus 22 and a half at Kentucky. Florida at Vandy plus 29. Tennessee at Vandy plus 20 and a half. Vandy plus 36 and a half at Georgia. My God. So you're a two touchdown dog in every game. It's just, it's going to be brutal. I, I feel bad for them. I think they're in for a brutal season. You know who's not in for a brutal season? The Kentucky Wildcats. Because. Mm-hmm. I've seen the our, our friends at the Cover Three podcast use five and a half as the number. The number four and a half seems probably more likely to be used, and that feels like just hammer that over. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is a oh they're just doubting UK, but I, I do think there is a, an optic standpoint where Vegas is just in the in the toss up games. They're still not really giving it to them. Right. Five and five is the four, right? Like, where? how do you even get to four? Yeah, I feel very strong about six and four. So, if you're getting a game and a half wiggle room, take it, take it and run. I feel very strong about them getting the six and four. Hammer down. And, and I, I mean, the reason why I, I, I love this is it's been three years straight, maybe even four now. I got into college football gambling only because 
the win total was so easy going into 2018. It was like five and a half or six. I think it was it might have been five and a half or six and a half. I don't know. It was absurdly low, and they ended up winning nine regular season games. And it was – I was like, well, I guess I'm going to start – I guess I'm going to open an account with Uncle Bo because this is easy money. And I feel like it's happening again at four and a half. Uh, my, my question for you, like it, what, what's the, the highest you would find it that you wouldn't touch it over? Would you still go with it at five and a half? Yeah, six. Six is kind of yeah. six, six and a half. And I don't even think I, I don't think you could find that absolutely anywhere. Six and a half, it would make me think under. But man, I, I don't think you'll find that anywhere else. Um, so go ahead, pick the Wildcats, be a homer, and just enjoy all yeah. your winnings. I mean, season. we are. I think 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, I think this, the total's gone over every year. Yeah, yeah. So, we're so you're, big stoops. Since this bowl streak started, they, that the season that, that's the one number against the spread that really hasn't adjusted. Kentucky's um, kind of been cash on is the season totals over. Cash money. Like, are you ready to cash some derby tickets? Yes, Nick. Questions for you. Yes, hit me. Can in the most common way possible, can you explain what a wheel is to me? Because uh, I see it every year, and I'm like, that sounds cool. I would like to bet it. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I let me read about wheel, and all I'm thinking about is wheel routes. Yeah, then yeah. then the race comes, and I'm like, well, I probably would have lost that, but it had been cool to bet a wheel. So tell me, what is a wheel? So I, the it's really just a fancy way to phrase your sp- – how you're spreading it out in your exotic bet. So I, I don't think you really need to use it when you have your phone to bet on. And with KSR, if you use Naira bets, you're getting 25 bucks for free uh, to play with. If you use the code uh, Derby 25, when you sign up, but uh, free plug Naira bets, you're welcome. But <laughs> essentially when you, you click on trifecta, uh, you mm-hmm. can wheel one horse to come first, second, third, but not every single one is kind of like that. Like you're not putting every single horse that could come in second. So you're boxing them, but you're putting like separate boxes around them, like specific boxes. Right. You're only kind of boxing that one horse uh, per se. It's just a fancy way to save okay. the The one that I took, it took me a little bit to figure out was key in keying uh-huh. a horse. Key, I've heard that one too. You're going to want a key in the Kentucky Derby. You key tis the wall. Yeah. Like if you know it for sure one person is going to win, you would key them? Yes, yes. Okay. So you're going to want to key tis the law, and then you sprinkle in some longer shots. And the two long shots that I really like are on the inside rail. And that's enforceable and max player. Uh, I'm not going to get into a variety of reasons, but basically they're closers. And the way this race sets up, on the outside, you've got all the really talented horses, and they're going to break fast and try to get to the front. And when you have something like that happen, uh, horse folks say the the pace just broke down, the race broke down, and that's when things can get wonky. And you can have these closers come from behind. And the thing with Max Player, he's got a new jockey. The old jockey used to piss me off because I really like this horse. He's ran against Tisla a few times, but the the, the old jockey, I think it was Bayerano, used to take him wide down the middle of the track. Like you can't go from seven wide and catch Tisla. But if Ricardo with Ricardo Santana on him. I think he can weave through some traffic on the inside and and make some some noise. So I like those as some long shots. New York traffic. He's the the kind of front runner that uh, always comes in second. 
um, to Tiz the Law. So maybe him as well. But it's kind of disappointing, though, Luckett, that I, there- I was thinking. I was, I was thinking this was going to be some loaded field, and it, it's really not. Uh, the delay has not attracted more talented horses to join it. Is there a bigger lawn shot you think has a really good chance to come in in the money? Yeah, I, I think that's that's your max. I mean, there's 12 of the 18 yeah. horses at 30 to 1 or worse. Mm-hmm. That's that's insane. So uh, there's chances that there's gonna that trifecta is gonna pay off a good bit. Oh yeah, it's gonna pay off something crazy. Uh, even though the winner tis the law, who this is gonna be the heaviest favorite probably in Derby history. <laughs> so yeah, uh, prepare for that. But one thing you do not do, don't. And I know we we know we got a lot of Catholic school friends. There's a lot of Notre Dame fans. Don't bet on South Bend. Just like you're, you're, you're throwing your money away if you're betting on South End. Now, me saying that the horse is going to come in the money and the traffic is going to be huge, but like I can't, I can't understand why anybody would bet on that horse aside from the name. So, uh, take that for what you will, even though like I'm doing the thing like it now where I'm like fading myself and I'm like, you know, you go back and forth in your head. And I do that too. I'll, I'll make picks, college football, and then I'll get to Friday and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you get back and forth, and you're just kind of like, then it's just, then you get to the game, and then you're like 10 minutes in, and you're like, well, I'm either on the right side or, yeah, oh, crap, I'm on the bad side. Hey, but uh, what would I, have to happen if, for that, that dude to lose? He Something really bad would have to happen out of the gate. 17. We've never had a winner for 17, right? No, no. And some people, they like to see the bad juju, but they're also running a 20-horse gate this year. There's no auxiliary mm-hmm. gate, so it should be cleaner coming out. But, like, something disastrous would have to happen. Because, like, he ran – typically the Derby is the first time they run this far. He ran in the Travers at this distance a month ago and, like, just jogged the final. Like, he didn't even run the final eighth of a mile, like, final furlong and just cruised. And some of those horses are in this race. So, it is the law. He's a superstar. Don't take anything away from him. But it's just – it's not going to be the same this year, and it's it's kind of a bummer. Um, but on, on the flip side, though, the Oaks has two badass fillies, and that's going to be a hell of a race. Gamine and Swiss Skydiver. Uh, Gamine's Baffert's horse that failed a drug test back in May. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Original Derby Day. And then Swiss Skydiver, she ran against the boys and came in second to the horse that was actually going to challenge Tis the Law, uh, the Scratch Day art collector. So, eh, kind of a bummer, but, you know, it is what it is. This was Tis the Law's race to win from the get-go. Not surprised Bob Baffert getting his hands dirty. Bob Baffert always – he just has that look about him. Yeah. I don't know if it's the glasses or if it's the the white hair, the silver fox. But like the guy like, at church where you're like, yeah, he's a bookie or something. Something's going on there. He's, doing he's something. got like purple yeah. shades on. Yeah, or like he's, he's, he's not paying his taxes or something. Something's going on there. <laughs> something fishy about that guy. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to be enjoying quite a few mint juleps this weekend. Uh, plenty of bourbon. I hope everybody – has a safe and fun Kentucky Derby, even though it's strange. And uh, we get to enjoy some football, too. That's what's going to be fun. Like, is we we're going to have man. some football games going on. The Eastern Kentucky Colonels are going to kick things off Saturday. Lock in BYU Monday night. Long Lock them up points. against the, the, the Naval Academy. long as they're getting points, BYU is money as a real dog. Lock them up. Oh, you heard it here first, folks. And that's how you win some money. You listen to 11 personnel. We appreciate you hanging around a little bit longer this week. Um, have a very safe Labor Day. Enjoy the final days of summer and the first football games of the season. 
and we're just one step closer to Kentucky football to be here before you know it.